This is a wholesale website. So you are buying things in bulk. You're not buying ones and twos of things, you're buying tens and twenties of things. And so a lot of the product minimums that they have are in the couple hundred dollar level. So just looking at the lanyards, for example, it's a hundred bucks or for these wallets, it's $150 or scarves, it's $500. So you have to buy a lot of products. Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-conspirator, Mike Alcazarin. Jeff, when are we going to just live that 2000s dream and become dropshippers and quit our jobs? It's That's so 2016. I thought about like getting into dropshipping because everyone's like, oh, you can start with nothing and make thousands of dollars. And I was like browsing all these wholesale websites and I'm like, what do I sell? Do I sell bottle openers or coasters <laughs> or something <laughs> random? But it's just so saturated now. Today, we're talking about FAIR, an e-commerce wholesale marketplace connecting artisans and boutiques with local retailers. That was a mouthful. It was a mouthful. And Jeff, I think we were due for a marketplace. I think it's been about 25 episodes. I feel wow. like we were in like... a record. I know. We were in like a rut from like episode like 20 all the way to like 75 where I felt like every other one was a marketplace. But yeah. So today, we're doing FAIR, as Jeff mentioned. So FAIR is an e-commerce wholesale marketplace. So... The primary customers are local retailers. So my vision for this is imagine the Main Street shops of America. That's who you know, you're selling to. You drive down a Main Street, you see that local shop, all the goods in that, those could potentially be purchased from a wholesaler like Fair. So Jeff, when I actually tried to make an account, I was blocked when I select the option just shopping for myself, which I thought was super interesting. Hmm. So um, I actually had to like make myself like a, you know, a store. So I actually had to select other as an option. And then I just made my personal website, my URL for this. So mikealkazarin.com, just like that I was recently opening and I actually had to fill all these stuff out. And they also said that they would reach out to me. So I'm curious on, you know, if fair. How they validate. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Reach out to me, but you know, maybe I'll become a tech gift, gift store, you know, and, you know, sell all sorts of tech stuff on a total side note to, you know, tech. Like one thing that came up to me as I was thinking about this was I loved the newspaper ads for computers and for just technology. I don't know if you remember those like growing up or maybe I remember the magazines. What magazines? I don't know. I don't remember like the exact same. I say I remember the magazines, but I remember the thought of the magazines like on the cover would be like Alienware and you would be like, oh, Oh, what's what's the gaming laptop of, you know, of of this year going to be and all that sort of stuff. But no, I, I remember like I would and this is like super weird, like on Sunday, before like the NFL games in the fall, we'd go to the gas station and get, you know, fill up on gas. And it was my brother, my job to go get the newspaper. And it was $2 at the time. And it was like a big thing, you know, where you got to like hand the $2 and get your Mm -hmm. newspaper. But I would always like hand the sports section to my brother. And then I would just read the Best Buy and Circuit City ads because all I wanted to do was just like see like the latest deals on computers, like, and what was it like the processors and all this stuff. Like, so I like love that stuff. I don't know like how I ended up on this tangent, but I was just thinking of like <laughs> fair, like if I was going to open up a tech store, if, if I could bring back that experience computer of like, parts. yeah, exactly. But let's talk a touch on fair's product positioning. So how they actually market themselves. So when you sign up, they actually have three specific call outs that I thought were really concise and pithy. So the first was, whenever and wherever so stock up whenever you need the second way they're positioning the product is quote 
unique finds. So you can discover thousands of new brands to introduce to your customers. And then the third was buying with confidence. So you get free returns on your opening order with any brand. I thought it was super interesting that on the last one, it was you're only getting free returns on the opening order. But I think that makes sense because, you know, as you're shopping through FAIR, you're really shopping for, you know, because the other people that are selling on FAIR are just like the small artists and artisans that are, you know, they might, you know, be making... I don't know, bottle openers, to use your example, Jeff. Mm -hmm. So like if you like are trying to choose between different bottle openers and one of them sucks, like you can actually return and free and send everything back in the opening order. So that makes sense to me. But have you spent any time on Ferret, Jeff, or like browsing it or do you know anyone that's used it? I think mostly because uh, like I've heard of it, but I think mostly I haven't spent time with it because of the barrier of entry that you mentioned, which is it's mainly positioned for businesses, right? People that are looking to like resell. Um, and not necessarily people like me that might just buy like one bottle opener <laughs> or like <laughs> a handful of bottle openers. So no, I haven't I haven't spent too much time on Fair itself, but I have heard of uh, before the show. I'd I'd heard of the brand. Yeah, same. I like I had heard of it, but not really understood like that. Me as like individual Mike could not buy it, so I have to spool up this fake store. So sorry, Fair in advance if MikeAlcazarin.com gets kicked off of the website. But I wanted to see what it was like. But uh, talking about the customer experience, it's just like any e-commerce site where there's a search bar and you can search for specific products or specific brands or artisans that you're looking for. Um, you also get you know a fairly curated home screen. So I'm sure there's some sort of algorithm that as you continue to shop, like they'll understand what your store is and start to tailor these specific ads. So like right now, like I see like the NBA Chicago Bulls black team lanyard. I see a San Francisco 49ers laser engraved Billford wallet, a bunch of stuff like that. And an LSU Tigers key opener. So all these sports teams. So I think that Mm. is my personal profile is sports first. So yeah, I think, I think that's fair. You know, and as Jeff and I, yeah, totally. (laughs) But as Jeff and I were alluding to, you know, this is a wholesale website. So, you are buying things in bulk. You're not buying ones and twos of things. You're buying tens and twenties of things. And so a lot of the product minimums that they have are in the couple hundred dollar level. So just looking at the lanyards, for example, it's a hundred bucks or for these wallets, it's $150 or scarves, it's $500. So you have to buy a lot of products. So for example, um, another thing that I pulled up here is this children's pink insulated lunchbox with a nice little fairy on it. Um, it's a $250 minimum, meaning that you need to buy 18 of these. So be prepared to sit on inventory if you are a retailer <laughs> looking to, to sell these stuff. And I think that's an important thing as, you know, any anyone that sold goods is half the battle is managing your inventory because that's where a lot of your mm-hmm. cash can get tied up. I know like my dad tried to start a um, or he did start a, um, a wholesaling business from the Philippines where he is from to the U.S. And so he was the, the middleman. But we still have to this day so much inventory left over of all these like little things that just never sold. <laughs> so yeah. this is definitely like a tricky, tricky game to play. Um, yeah, all about forecasting and all that sort of stuff. I do have a question. You mentioned uh, dropshipping at the beginning of the episode. Is that something that FAIR supports like out of the box? It's because I hear that you can buy, you know, actual inventory and like figure out how to store it, whether you have a warehouse or uh, you just store it in your garage or and, and you're kind of doing the shipping and distribution. But is there a way to kind of plug into some sort of downstream system? Like if you have a Shopify store, if you sold stuff on Amazon, could Fair just, could you just connect it and do the fulfillment? My guess is no, if it's completely wholesale, but just kind of curious. So they do have a product feature called connect your POS or connect your Mm -hmm. point of sale. So you can actually connect directly with Square, Shopify, or Clover to kind of, you know, it's not like a one for one 
pure drop shipping, I don't think, but yeah. it starts to streamline that your existing inventory and your existing processes with like, you know, if you are, if you are on Shopify. Um, yeah, it's probably something like, oh, you know, if your inventory dips below a certain amount, you get a refill order exactly. from the wholesaler instead of like them sending directly to the consumer, which because the whole thing with wholesale is that they want the business. It's, you know, forecastable, reliable business from the, I guess, the creator side, like the artisan side. And then they know that like they, they're making 10 of these. So they, they know that it's like, you know, a recurring amount that it's like significant instead of having to make these one offs, which like the margins don't work as well. Right. So I think it makes a lot of sense that they don't necessarily support direct uh, drop shipping. So that that's like something else that totally yeah. I'm curious about like in the future, though, if that's something that fair would consider doing, because there's definitely competitors that do this. Like if you think about Alibaba, they do this exact thing like. In fact, like when we talk about dropshipping, a lot of companies that built this dropshipping business model was like you, you buy a couple of these items from you like white label an item from a manufacturer off Alibaba or something like that. And then you connect it to your store or your your Amazon page and then you start selling and then they ship it directly to the consumer and you have to touch zero inventory and uh, you don't have to do with any of the shipping. And then customer service, you can maybe deal with as well, but you're yeah. kind of the middleman, right? So that's where... Uh, a lot of the drop shipping, I guess, money is made is like you don't have to own any of the product. And that's really nice because it's like very minimal risk. It's sl- it's lower margin than if you were to like buy in bulk. So this is where it's nice with fair. You probably can, you know, mark up the items you have uh, and sell it at a better price for you. But, you know, it, with drop shipping, it's like lower risk. Right. So that that's a big trade off. But I was just kind of curious because those are two, you know, very similar uh, business models in terms of like, you know, reselling. Yeah, totally. It's super interesting because I feel like it goes into like who the customer is for fair. And it feels like now that I, I think about it, it's like, it doesn't feel like the drop shipper would be where mm-hmm. it's like, wait, or so, like someone that has like a drop shipping retail business. It doesn't feel like that. But maybe you maybe you could do a bit of both if you're a retailer. I'm just thinking like if I was like in on the retail side of business, I might actually want to do a bit of both. You know, I could see myself having like inventory on hand and also trying to manage, uh, you know, yeah, if you have like a physical store, you have to have inventory on hand. But if, you, exactly. if you're purely doing drop shipping online, which is what most people do, you don't necessarily have to have inventory on hand unless um you know, you want better ship. Like the problem with drop shipping is usually like let's say I buy a t-shirt from a company that utilizes drop shipping and they source that t-shirt from some company in China, it's going to take me like 2 weeks, maybe a month to yep. get that t-shirt, right? So even though it's like cheap and I'm the middleman selling it. People might be like, what the heck this is taking forever? So the nice thing about having inventory on hand, uh, like within the, the, the country that you're selling it is that you can ship it and it's more like the average, I don't know, three to five business days. So maybe what some people might do is like they might hold some small amount of inventory, some upfront, like let's say I have 50 units of a t-shirt and then every time somebody buys, they drop ship another one to me. So you're kind of like topping off, which again, like maybe fair is a better place to do that because maybe you just have it set to top off every 10 t-shirts that you sell and not necessarily every single one. Because then it's cheaper to kind of ship in bulk than it is to ship individually. Totally. And I think for any business, just managing your inventory costs is huge. And I think that's something that dropshipping kind of eliminates. But if you have a you know retail business, <coughs> it's a huge need to, to manage. And one of the, like, the cool product features that I called out here for FAIR is they actually have something called Open with FAIR. Mm-hmm. So if you're an up and coming new store and you want to build out your inventory, you can get free access to something called net 60 terms. And so for folks that aren't familiar with these terms, so net 30, net 60 or net 90 terms essentially means 
you can get your goods shipped to you today. So if I bought $20,000 worth of goods from Jeff, I wouldn't need to pay him until 30 or 60 or 90 days later. So it kind of sucks for Jeff, but it's really good for me, like the retailer, because I'm able to you know, get the inventory now today as and, and then pay later as I'm starting to sell those yeah. goods and then pay pay later. So um, it's super Do they charge like, a, like an interest rate or some sort of fee to do that? It looks. It sounds like the. Uh, it's a good question. I don't know. I, it's, it looks like they have a, like a teaser rate at first, and then they mm-hmm. they bake in some costs. I know. I see. They have a different pricing structure based off of, um, you know, how much commission that fair takes based off of if it's net zero. So if you're going to get paid instantly today versus if you want to take and accept net thirty terms. So I think there's like a, a continuum there for how much mm. money they take and add to the commission, and it's a good segue into the business model for fair. So. It's a commission-driven marketplace. So, you know, FAIR provides the wholesalers, so the craftspeople, the people making goods, the artisans, um, and the retailers, so like the local shops, a place to buy and sell these goods. So the commission that FAIR is taking is pretty high. It's 25% from artisans that sell their first product, and then they get 15% for the second and all their orders sold to the same shop. So it's a super interesting incentive that rewards consistency from the artisans to keep selling the same products, but it also could potentially cause incentives to jump around to different uh, different artisans as they start start to mm-hmm. explore with diff- different pricing. So, or the economics makes sense. So that is like some of the, the yin and yang with the, the business model. But on average, everything every article that I saw with Fair is like it's roughly nets out to around fifteen percent is the commission that Fair takes. Got it. Yeah, that's super interesting. There's not a whole lot on the history of the product. And again, like you and I were aware of Fair, but I think because this is mainly like a sort of like a B2B type business that we don't necessarily dabble in all the time. It's really hard for us to get some visibility into it, but it was founded in 2016 by a whole team of folks. So Danielle Perito, uh, Jeffrey Jolovson, uh, Lauren Cooks-Levitin, Marcelo Cortez, and Max Rhodes. Of late, recently, they uh, raised a 400 million Series G, which bumped their valuation to $12.4 billion. So on Fair's website, I think six months after they launched across uh, 15 markets in Europe and the UK, they had exceeded over $100 million, or sorry, $150 million in annualized sales volume. So that's pretty significant. I mean, uh, you know, that's about roughly about a third of that that latest round of, of seed money. So, and then they've raised over a billion dollars in total. So about a tenth that's of their business, of their valuation yeah, has, has been raised. I mean, but you do need a lot of capital, I suppose, to be able to like pay out these vendors and all this other stuff, right? Like do the you? more people that you have. Yeah, I'm I don't know. Like, that's a good question. Like maybe, yeah. you know, Maybe it's just all software, but but it, but it's like a ton of software. Cause it's like just like a simple marketplace at the, at the end of the day. Yeah, um, I wonder if they do other things too, like um, if they offer small business loans or if they do any sort of like insurance. Yeah, that's where you might have to have like assets on hand. Um, well, I guess I guess that leads into like the uh, like the the net thirty terms because like then you have like twenty thousand dollars. Because that's what like open with fair. Yeah, was. on hold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have like twenty thousand dollars like held up. So I guess that makes sense and like. In this marketplace, it feels like to get ahead of Amazon, you'd have to just scale super fast. So I guess it makes sense. You just like, at, like you know, shake the hat for uh, to as many VCs as you can. And it looks like yeah. they have been for a while. Like you rarely yeah, four hundred million dollars in a Series G seems like totally. You know, you can imagine that the Series before was maybe like you know fifty, hundred million dollars less. I mean, it's a reverse long tail essentially. But um, totally, it, it's, and it's uh, it's weird like to a see lot of like, money. even. To even like so a G is like the eighth letter, so it's like they've they had eight different financing rounds. Like typically you see like 
maybe series D and then you go like IPO. So it's yeah. kind of like crazy that they went like four beyond right. series D to, right. to G. You, I feel like you just rarely see that. Yeah. And it kind of makes you question whether or not they're making money. Like yeah. I know that they mentioned 150 million in annualized sales, but that doesn't mean profit. It's probably just like overall revenue. Yep. So um, yeah, I'm just kind of curious about how much money they actually make. I, I feel like marketplace business seems like a pretty lucrative business, like 25% commission, but you have to pay software engineers and ops people and all this sort of stuff. So I wonder how much the fare takes away from this overall. This is one of those questions that like everyone always asks, like, well, why does Uber Eats take a rake of like 25, 30%? Why does DoorDash take a rake of blah, blah, blah? It's because yeah. tech is expensive. And so, uh, you know, the alternative here is that you lay off all your engineers, which is what a lot of these companies are doing recently. Um, but yeah, it's just something to kind of kind of keep in mind that they, they, it seems like a lot of money up front, but it yeah. might not be sustainable. I also feel like from like 2010, I'm making updates here, but I'm just like broad, like the early 2010s, I feel like money was so cheap that all of like customers got used to just super cheap things like Uber rides and Lyft rides. Like they were just competing yeah. for market share and like we were basically having subsidized cab rides with VC right. money. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah. And now know, that it's expensive, people are like, well, what the heck? Yeah, exactly. So um, in 2020, they sold over 125 million products. That number doesn't surprise me, I suppose. Yeah. Given how, how long they've been around and could be just something as small as a bottle opener. Um, and they recorded an average of 10 million in sales per day, according to peak buying events. So hmm. again, pretty significant amount of money. But the question is like, how much of that do they actually get to put on their balance sheet? Um, so they serve over 300,000 retailers across North America and Europe, including uh, 40,000 brands from over 80 countries. So that's it that I really found from from FAIR. But given that they've only been around for about six years, I don't know what to make of it. I, I feel like it's a lot of money to raise in six years. A billion dollars yeah. in six years is a pretty significant amount of money. But that also, it makes it seem like investors are interested. Like you wouldn't continuously yeah. raise if... They didn't think that there was a path to profitability, or maybe they maybe they don't care. Like they used to not care, right? There, people were, a lot of companies were just throwing money at um at these startups, these like random. Well, they they're still weaponry. doing it. Adam Newman of WeWork fame yeah. just got three hundred and sixty five million dollars to build WeLife. Flow, or, yeah, or oh my god. So and it's from like a like one of the most reputable VCs as well, A sixteen Z and Jason yeah. Horowitz. Um, yeah. it's just nuts. But I so I did some quick math off that you know ten million dollars in sales and. Assuming that they're taking the fifteen percent cut, if they can sustain that, like an average sales day, make it ten million dollars a day, that's five hundred and forty-seven million dollars in annual revenue that is on the table for fair. I would be super skeptical because it was twenty twenty, and you know, a lot of the, you know, people were just shopping more online just because our yeah. office heat inside for COVID. So I feel like that's skewed, and so. Even today, there's a lot in the news with like Target and Walmart. They're trying to offload inventory because they basically bought too much of it. So mm -hmm. I'm curious if all these like retailers that, you know, go and shop on fair are in the same position where they're just like, I have way too much inventory. What to do with? I just need to put stuff on sale and, you know, start, start bringing in cash flow. Yeah. I wonder how it's different for artisans specifically, because like you can make an argument that for commodities, like if you're just buying toilet paper or whatever, and you're trying to forecast how much toilet paper uh, people need, then you might get it wrong. And then you, mm -hmm. oh, I just need to sell off this. I, I can't carry all this toilet paper. It's like taking up room in my warehouse for other stuff. But I think with artisan goods, like you can argue that there's always some like demand for it because it's unique, right? It's not, yeah. it's not like there's going to be a lot of people that want to come and buy stuff for weddings or, you know, like it's a different crowd. It's not like a, a, the thing with commodities is that you have the same people buying the same thing repetitively. 
However, with artisan goods, it's like people buying it once um, mm. and probably not coming back and buying it. Like you're not going to, I mean, I hope not. You're not going to buy this like... <laughs> I have a lot of aprons at my house. You, you have, have a lot no of idea. like cat mugs, like cat coffee mugs at your house or something <laughs> exactly. like that. You're going to buy every month. Like it's not a recurring thing is what I'm saying. So, I mean, it's already kind of baked in that they expect that these things need to change. Like these artists need to change the products that they're selling or they need to market to different people and then penetrate the, the total accessible market deeper. Like more people need to buy my cat mugs <laughs> to, for me to make money or I need to change to elephant mugs or something like that. Um, All of our listeners, stop everything right now. Go to jefflee.com and get your cat mug. Buy my cat mugs. We should have store <laughs> merch. It's just cat mugs. Yeah, seriously. Um, that'd be hilarious. But yeah, it, it's just interesting. I, I don't know. And I don't know if like FAIR does more commodity-based things. I know they kind of pitch themselves as like this, you know, wholesale for, for artisans sort of thing. But generally, that's the way I think of it. Like I don't go to Etsy every week to buy the same thing. I go to yeah. Etsy maybe like once or twice, maybe three times a year to look for maybe some gifts. But the hope is that... I'm telling other people about this shop and other people buy it. So you want everyone to have one <laughs> before you feel like you can't sell that thing anymore and you need to make something else. No, totally. And I think like, I definitely agree with you. I think one of the things that might've happened with 2020 is that people were inside. So they bought, they basically pulled forward their spending for the next two years on sure. all of their yeah. tchotchkes. So it's like, I think like it's going to probably stabilize, like it's probably stabilizing at the end of this year. Um, yeah. so I wonder if like, there's like a little bit of a dip here, but just looking at like fairs, like major categories, they have maybe like 10 or 12 here. And so of the things that are like consumables, they have food and drink items and they have beauty and wellness, everything else, you know, like the men, the home decor, the women, the paper and novelty, the jewelry, that would all be stuff that you probably buy once. So that's a really interesting point. And I'm sure fair is probably, you know, trying to figure out what's the new normal because <laughs> it's just wildly different. But yeah, that's a good segue into who FAIR is for. So it's definitely a business-to-business marketplace. I mean, I was uh, axed out of going into the website as a single-person <laughs> purchaser of, of gifts, but they have 500,000 verified independent retailers worldwide. And that number is now 500,001 with MikeAlcazarin.com. I'm probably nice. kicked off the platform. <laughs> um, but it's huge. I, I think it's like it's really cool that you know FAIR is really giving an opportunity for Main Street retailers to really participate in e-commerce you know you're getting such a wide range of products from like you know everywhere like you said that there's like tens of millions of 125 million products sold in 2020 like that's a huge selection that you can bring to your retailers i think one thing that i noticed like you know it's like if you go to like a tourist location and you go to a retail shop everything's the same or if, mm-hmm. even if you go to like that like retail shop that my wife always wants to go into it's kind of like it's the same store with like a little bit of tweaks of different <laughs> yeah. things like i don't see anything different here the, i like, love new york shirt that like everyone yeah, buys right yeah exactly um but with fair like it feels like you can start to really open up your inventory and, and start to build out the super unique shop so i see a ton of value here for for what fair is doing and it's a huge market. Like e-commerce is obviously not going away. I still remember my first ever purchase online. My mom's like, we're putting your credit card on- online. I can't believe this. This is crazy. Anyways, but Morgan Stanley just released a 2022 report this past June that e-commerce sales in 2022 is 22% of every retail sale is a online sale, which is a 3.3 trillion with a T. I can't even comprehend that. Humans are awful at comprehending things yeah. in the exponential scale. Just massive, massive money there. And then the last thing I'll say about um, you know 
Jeff and I touched a little bit on the risks and it's been more positive, but this website that I found, Lucky Break Consulting, they outlined three risks. This consulting company, I guess, helps retail companies streamline their sales. One of the first risks that Lucky Break outlined was that fair incentivize the first orders. So it results in higher commissions. So which makes sense from Ferris' point of view. They want you to like shop around and go to different brands and get that 25% instead of the 15% of the products. Mm-hmm. The second risk is that Fair owns the communication. So you're basically kind of like stuck communicating between whoever, whatever artisan you're working with and you on Fair. So it's, and, and that makes sense from Ferris' point of view because you don't want, you know, these this retailer and the artisan to make a side deal to say, hey, yeah. let's both say 15% and not use right. this marketplace. And then the third is that Ferrer is the keeper of a startling amount, a startling amount of power. And I think that's like just like the yin and yang of any like large e-commerce retailer where it's, it's the convenience is there, but also they know it's convenient. So they are able to, you know, basically be another hand in the pot for your retail business. And you're paying an extra 15% for this, but the hope is that, you know, they're adding a lot more value. And you can, like I said before, you can just kind of open up your eyes and, expand upon the normal artisans that you would go to for all the things in your shop. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally get that. I mean, I always think about like Instacart, for example, it's not cheap to buy groceries on Instacart, but that's not the point, right? It's yep. not intended to be like if it, the cheapest option is to go buy it yourself, obviously. But the intent there is that you're paying some premium to save time. So they, exactly. you're asking whether or not that time is worth the, the cost that they're giving you and and if that's a, if that's a trade off you want to make, and then obviously from that they control a lot of things. Like they control what the costs are, they control who's delivering items to you, they control which stores that they service and don't service. Yeah, I mean I, that's it's a luxury, right? So ultimately, you know, they do have a lot of the power there. So talking about the competitors and switching gears into other folks that might you know might give you the optionality. There's a bunch of a bunch of competitors here that I've never really heard of again because I'm not in the wholesale marketplace. So ones that we found were Abound, Tundra, Bulletin, but the ones that I wanted to also call out, which are probably a bit more well known, are Alibaba and AliExpress. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people that do drop shipping and buy in bulk and wholesale, you can even buy single items, uh, will buy from these manufacturers from overseas, like in China, like NFL jerseys, <laughs> like fake NFL jerseys that I bought um, <laughs> that are really really close replicas. But then on the other end of the spectrum, th- that's more for like wholesales and that could be like any commodity but on the other end of the spectrum you can think about really small mom and pop artisan shops and for that you have like etsy where you might have like a one person operation that's making candles or i recently saw something around like an acrylic art piece that was like a map of where your home is located and stuff like that so you know all the cool little things there for small mom and pop you know direct to consumer you know you can buy an etsy there's no middleman there you don't buy hundreds of those things you buy maybe like five (laughs) so um yeah so that's where the main difference is shifting gears into our thoughts i can start i I mean this is really tough for me because this is not something that i am going to be able to easily empathize with i'm not like a wholesale person i'm not very deep into e-commerce i have a very cursory like high level understanding of the business but what i will say is that like i think it's pretty smart to have this sort of option for people to buy sort of these like one-off artisan items um but in bulk you know this retail business is clearly large i mean i think fair recognized that there was a gap in this area like etsy doesn't serve this area well and you can argue that like you know alibaba doesn't serve this area as well either so i think this it's really interesting i think they found a really good niche to to sort of dig into and i, I think the commission model makes sense given that like this is something that most other marketplaces also do 
But what concerns me a little bit is like they've raised a ton of money. Yeah. And like over like a pretty short amount of time and they're still raising money. And it it's not clear to me that they are super, super profitable. I could be wrong. It could be missing just this very clear black and white metric somewhere that's like, oh, they made this much money this year. But I mean, everything that I read so far that was kind of digging into it is that FAIR is still continuing to hire throughout this downturn. So I'm assuming that things are looking good. So with that being said, I'm going to give this like a 3.8. It sounds like they've met a niche, maybe one that I don't understand very well. But from the optics and the outside looking in, it seems like they've raised a lot of money. Everything for now, like see, I don't know if they're like hiding anything, but it seems like it's going decently well to where they're still hiring. They're not conducting any layoffs. People are still investing in the company. So there's definitely a nod of confidence. Um, yeah, overall, like a 3.8 for me. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. It's a... Uh, um... I'm going to be a little bit higher at a 4.0 just because I think that I'm thinking of putting myself in like the retail like shoes and you know my dad went through this and like they ended up like shuttering the business and one of the things that was a huge like pain point was reaching all of the stores like they were trying to basically be mm-hmm. fair but they you know were basically only one artisan on brand like they would basically work with artisans in the philippines and then they would find like you know literally chinese food restaurants was one of their big customers that they would mm-hmm. go find so they'd go to like chinese food restaurants and say hey do you want these like you know filipino tchotchkes they're like this is confusing but sure but it was like very <laughs> like high touch to go and, and, yeah, and find those yeah. folks so i think like you know that job of just being able to connect all these retailers and artisans together is just massive. I, I think it's a really cool because alternatively, like you're you're spending, I'm sure, like countless hours just like trolling, looking, not trolling, but just like looking for artisans and trying to discover like what artisans are selling the goods that you want. So I definitely think there's a ton of value there. I definitely was going to rate this higher, but to your points, I'm going to lower it to just a flat four just because it does just give me a little bit of pause just that they've raised so much money and is it truly sustainable or like business model or is it really just a, a VC funded powerhouse where it's kind of interesting? And I think only time will tell. I think they have legs. I mean, just like that they have like almost a half a billion dollars of revenue that they could that, that's on the table. So we'll see. And Jeff, check your Slack because I just sent you a really cool product that uh, <laughs> that is being sold in bulk on uh, <laughs> on, on unfair. unfair. Yeah. So if you want an adult toy shop, they have adult toys, just so you know. And you can buy hundreds of these things if you want to. Um, But anyways. This is going to be my store now. This is it. This is how we're going to make it. We're going to drop ship these uh, and make it big. (laughs) Exactly. Cool. Well, well, please, Jeff, don't do that. Um, (laughs) Those are our thoughts on FAIR. But we'd love to hear from you, our audience. So please continue to reach out to us. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at ProdXPodcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X podcast. Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.